I'm recording this in August 2021. We are still in the midst of a global pandemic, and we are in the throes of a staffing crunch. Now, a lot of people uh, think that it's going to ease up in September when the uh, the unemployment assistance uh, uh, finishes up, uh, but I don't think that's going to be the case. It might might soften a little bit, but it's not going to go away entirely. Uh, this is not a short-term problem. What we're facing right now is a long-term problem. I think a lot of people who were in the restaurant industry because that was the only job they could get or it was the, the best job they could get right? Because there's a low barrier of entry to get a job here in restaurants. I think over the course of the last 18 months during the pandemic, they figured out what else they could do. They 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 uh, prioritized their life and, and they saw where their skills uh, could apply, what other industries, what other markets uh, they could they could go to. Uh, my guest on today's show is Adrienne Mack, and she's going to talk a lot about this. It's a great conversation. Listen, my microphone died and I had to use the computer microphone, so the sound is not great on this episode, but please don't let that dissuade you from listening to the episode. Adrian is incredible. She has a ton of value to provide. I promise you, you will get something out of this conversation. I loved this conversation. I'm sorry about the quality. It's not horrible, uh, but it's definitely diminished from what you're used to. Uh, thanks again for tuning in. Please stick around. It's a great episode. There's an old saying goes something like this. You'll only find three kinds of people in the world. Those who see, those who will never see, and those who can see when shown. This is Restaurant Strategy, a marketing podcast for anyone who's looking. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. My name is Chip Close and this is Restaurant Strategy a weekly podcast all about helping chefs and operators build more profitable restaurants. Each week, we toggle back and forth between a monologue-style format and an interview, but the goal is always the same, to take some of these complicated concepts and make them both understandable and actionable. Why? Because like I always say, information is only as valuable as the action it inspires. Now, this week's episode is sponsored by Virtual Restaurant Group, VRG. They offer innovative, turnkey, delivery-only brands that you're able to easily operate out of your existing restaurant with very little disruption to your current operation. So we're talking ghost kitchens, right? A restaurant that would only be visible on third-party delivery sites as a way of driving additional revenue using the infrastructure you've already got. By adding virtual restaurant brands into your business model, you're able to diversify your revenue streams and generate more overall revenue. You already have a kitchen, right? You've got a staff. You've got the space to do it. Why not maximize your square footage by adding additional brands to help you increase your bottom line? Best of all, VRG handles everything on the back end. They provide Cubo technology totally free. The very architecture of this software allows you to turn on as many brands as you want, list those brands on as many partner sites as you want, and field all of the orders through one singular tablet and printer. You're not locked into any long contracts, and it's 100% free to start. VRG's flagship brand, Midnight Munchies, was one of LA's very first ghost kitchen concepts and generated up to $30,000 a month just in online ordering revenue. Onboarding is super easy with recipe guides and step-by-step -step training for you and for your staff. Visit virtualrestaurantgroup.com slash chip and use the promo code CHIP2021, that's C-H-I-P, 2021 to get started. That link, of course, is in the show notes. So my guest on today's show is Adrian Mack. She is the CEO of Miss Mack Enterprises based here in New York City with me. Uh, Miss Mack Enterprises is a hospitality business development firm uh, that brings business outcomes and social impact together. Adrian, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited. I'm thrilled to be here uh, with you. I'm thrilled to have this conversation with you. Um, you offer a really interesting perspective based on your work, but you got to help me out here. you got to help the listeners out here. Talk to me about Mismac Enterprises and what does it mean um, when you say bring business outcomes and social impact together? Talk to me about what that is, what you do. Absolutely. So I have been in the hospitality industry and social services industry, both of them for over 20 years. And I found that 
um, in the hospitality industry, it is such a beautiful but ugly industry all at the same time. And I found that it is a great opportunity to build the workforce as well as the leadership in hospitality so we can continue to grow as an industry because it's one industry that will never go away. So what does it mean to bring business outcomes and social impact together? That means developing a business that not only benefits the employer or the owner of the business, but it also benefits the employees as well and also benefits the community in which the business exists. So we like to look at the business as a whole holistic approach inside and out, top to bottom, left to right, north, south, east, and west, and say, how can we make sure that this business is profitable, but also that the business, uh, the community that the business is sitting in, we can definitely make a huge impact. Because as we know, small businesses are the backbone of this country. Yeah. If we don't support our small businesses, millions of jobs are lost. And a lot of yeah. times um, people think that it's the larger corporations, but it's quite opposite. It's the small businesses that really, really empower communities with jobs and opportunities. So this is why I love talking to you. I get chills just listening to you talk because I think it's really profound and you make it sound so simple and you make it sound so obvious. Um, but this is the thing with common sense, right? It's not so common. So talk to me a little bit about your journey, uh, because again, as you describe it, you make it sound so effortless, but, um, but how did you come to that? How did you arrive at that? Talk to me a little bit about your background to give me and the listeners some context. Absolutely. So in my experience, I started working in the hospitality industry after I started my career in social services. So I started working in social services when I was about 17 and it was for a teen clinic. And I'm, by the way, I'm originally from California. So I'm going to make some references to that. Um, but it's been in New York for 18 years. So as they would say, I'm definitely a New Yorker and I'm definitely a Harlem You're girl. <laughs> With a little bit of California swag in there. But um, I started my hospitality career um, and I realized that there wasn't that many people of color in management. Um, there, we were definitely in the kitchen. We were definitely serving bartending, but we weren't in management positions. Um, in the community that I grew up in, I didn't see any Black-owned restaurants. Um, so when I had the opportunity to move to New York, and of course, a lot of people know that the hospitality industry is a great industry to get into, even if you have very little skills. And make, yeah, low barrier of entry. Absolutely. You can make very decent income and get started. And there is a career pathway, but sometimes it's not completely defined. And that's something that we talk about too. Um, I also realized living here in New York, and when you're talking about New York dining, as opposed to California, S Southern California dining, which is also very different from Northern California, I really saw the discrepancy in the lack of women in leadership, the lack of people of color in leadership. And um, I wanted to see, it, it was almost like seeing people playing the same role every single time. And so I said, wow, there really is a need here. And I'm come from a history of problem solvers, people that see that there is a challenge and that they, they love to create some type of strategy to, to fix it. And so I then began my growing, my growing in my career of hospitality. And I felt that I wanted to be another black woman that was a sommelier. I wanted to be another um, black manager. I wanted to be a woman manager. I wanted people to see people that look like me and people who identify with my gender to be able to see, see us in those positions and see us thrive in those positions. And it's interesting enough that we've already, we were already in those positions before, but as time has gone on, you know, many of the people, black people have left that industry, but now you're seeing a new influx of leadership coming in. The other thing I noticed too, in the hospitality industry was social services. So you see people that, um, have bad credit, um, who spend all of their tips, they don't know how to budget, or people dealing with childcare, right? So women can't, or single parents, I don't want to leave out the guys, but single parents, um, it's hard for them to take a job in the hospitality industry. And, and then there's other social service issues, especially uh, what we're dealing with right now with youth, um, housing, um, and, you know, um, lack of job skill set, because they've never had a job or a lemonade stand, you know, <laughs> you know, have right. to show up for something. So knowing that there was such of a need 
I decided to take both of my loves of serving people through social services and my love of serving people great food and drinks and a great time and creating a business that really thrived in seeing, uh, you know, businesses thrive with the employees are happy. They're making good money. They're also being thought, you know, thoughtful and mindful about how they treat their employees inside and outside of work. And then also seeing how businesses um, interact in the community. So in Harlem, for a great example of that is, you know, you'll see lots of small businesses come into the community. As we know, Harlem has been, you know, being gentrified for the last 15, 20 years, yeah. maybe more than yep. actually 20, maybe 30 years. And sometimes businesses fail in communities like Harlem because there's lack of community interaction, meaning you may have customers coming in, but you're not donating any money or food or you know your time to the community, especially the community like Harlem, which is very family oriented, very community focused. If they know that you're not a part of the community, like you're not in support or supporting like good efforts, then, then there will you will get shut down. I have seen many restaurants that were popular one day and shut down the next solely on the interaction that they have with the community. So we, we decided, I decided to start this business because I wanted to make sure that when people open businesses or people um, run businesses, I want them to be thoughtful as to how they develop their business in a way that they are successful, their staff, are successful and the community that they're in is also benefit from the success as well yeah yeah i mean this is again the way you put it makes it sound so obvious this is uh, seems very similar to me to danny meyer's idea of enlightened hospitality right the the five levels and how you you take care you take care of the employees the employees will take care of the guests the guests will then you know help build the community community uh, supports it you're able to support the purveyors the purveyors you know then uh, see a benefit they'll come to you and that eventually impacts the uh the investors and so you've got all these stakeholders straight down the line um but i've never heard it put in the way that you're putting it and uh, and i think it's really interesting so uh, somebody i'm going to have on the show in just a couple of weeks is yannick benjamin uh, yannick just opened contento up in uh, up in east harlem uh, interestingly uh he so it's a brand new restaurant he opened uh yannick is uh is uh, paraplegic he's um he's been disabled uh, due to a car crash uh, that was many, many years ago. Uh, and he's really rededicated his life um, to serving that community as well as being in the hospitality. And, and so there's all kinds of interesting things he's doing, but he had opened a, um, a, a gym called the Access Project up uh, that serves the disabled community up there in East Harlem because he found that it was an underserved group. Um, the, the people who lived up there and, and couldn't get uh, couldn't get to somewhere down in Manhattan, couldn't get to somewhere down in Brooklyn. Um, so it's really interesting to see the way when you talk about community, uh, he's really built a community there. Again, the Access Project is, I would say it's, it's half gym, half clubhouse um, for this really rich, diverse community uh, and an underserved community. And now he's doing the same thing with his restaurant. And the idea being, though, that uh, the community is at the, is at the centerpiece of it. So then talk to me about how you begin to do that, right? So what, like, let's talk about the logistics of it, the, the actual, let, let's get granular and explain to me what you do, how you do it, when you talk about making sure that everybody wins in this interaction between employer, employee, community, guest, you know, how do, how do you begin to do that? Well, first... One of the things, um, well, first of all, you actually mentioned a couple of connections that uh, I have there. So Danny Myers, of course, went to Cornell and one of his professors, Barbara Lang, she has birthed so many hospitality leaders. She's one of my mentors. So when you mentioned the five pillars, it sounds like something right out of her class. I love it. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's funny. And, and so I love that. I love that you mentioned that. And, and then also uh, East Harlem. I used to live in East Harlem for many years. I was on the community board over there. In fact, I currently serve as the um, uh, co-chair of the Promote Committee for the East Harlem Alliance. So I got to get him over there so he could be a member and get additional support and resources to his population of 
constituents and and uh, customers and also you can benefit from all the marketing and stuff that we are so please put me in touch with this guy and i will i adore i adore yannick I, I ran the new york city marathon in november of 2019 and i ran it for really wow. forward which is his nonprofit, which is the organization that administers um uh, the access project they've got a location in east harlem and a location down here in uh, in brooklyn uh, near where i live and i i adore the guy i adore what uh, what he stands for um, I don't, he, the rest of us get 24 hours in a day and he gets like 27. He does so wow. much, uh, he does so much with the, with the time he's given. And so, uh, in any event, I will put you in touch with him, uh, so that you guys can, uh, can get to know each other because he's, he's creating something really profound up there. So you asked me, how does, how does one get started? You know what? There, for me, there was no formula. I'm not, I can't give you a formula. I can't say, Adrian, how do I create a business uh or how do i start a business as business outcome and social impact focus first of all it was just in my dna it's, it's something where i was like i want to solve this problem um i just i jumped in head first so before i worked for myself full time um i was i had a very successful run at strive international which is a international workforce development organization um started in east harlem um, I was hired to, yes, yeah, I told you I have a lot of ties. That's my, that's my, you know, that's my spot. I love East Harlem. I currently now live in West Harlem, as they would say. It's so interesting to say it that way. I've been here yeah. for 18 years. So the new terminology of how to describe Harlem is, is also funny to me too. But, um, but anyways, I, uh, I had a great run there. And so I was, uh, the former director of external relations. I created East Harlem talent, talent network. It was one of the most successful or actually the most successful local hiring program. We got over 2000 people employment opportunities um, and connected to training as well. Um, even people with GED education, we were getting them jobs at Mount Sinai working in, in the administrative, administrative area. So it was great to see those type of jobs. I also created um, Serve Up Harlem, which was a hospitality program developed for youth. So it was 18 to 25 year olds looking to get into the industry and learn how to build a career in that. And so we got them paid into, they got, of course, training. They got a certificate from Cornell University. They got um, paid internships and many of those turned into jobs. And it was great to see them develop as um, hospitality leaders. So with, with that, um, once I was done with my contract there, of course, I had other job opportunities that were sent to me. But I was just like, I think it's really time for me to go full time for myself. And so in 2018, I head in first, you know, like a baby with, you know, a baby jumping in the deep end with, without a floaty. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just jumped in. So I did that and I, you know, launched an event that I had to, you know, get the word out that, you know, I'm now going full time for myself. And was able to get a couple of local contracts, um, getting people local employment at a concert, which is Gov Ball. Sure, yeah. you played Gov Ball. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yes, and so we were able to get um, close to 200 Harlem and East Harlem residents temporary employment, but good money because even though the concert's only three days, um, the, the money is so good that you can work and make a really good amount of money in just three days. And that, and that's very helpful for many of the families that took those job opportunities because they were able to buy their kids school clothes or, um, you know, pay off bills. And, and I mean, you, people value, got to understand the value of work, I'm telling you. And so these type of great opportunities happened. And so um, I'm excited with what we're doing now with rock. We're on a national level now working with rock and, um, coming out with some um, international initiatives with social gastronomic movement. So basically, when you start a business, and I don't care what industry you're in, it's what problem am I solving? There it is. That's it. And that's and that's what I did. I just jumped head in and figured out, you know, I took my, both of my loves and, and wanted to make sure that I made it impact. Yeah, totally. So listen, this is what I say, I, I mean, week after week after week, the, the loyal listeners of the show will know that I say, uh, this is a, first and foremost, a marketing uh, podcast. Um, I've got uh, tons of operational experience. And I always like to say in the restaurants, um, it's they're all marketing problems, but we yes. can't solve them with marketing. We have to solve them operationally. And so... Oh. 
that's the the integration. It's true. It's like that's <laughs> you are speaking my language, honey. <laughs> I, I, I will never forget. I, there's this huge opportunity, and I know I'm going to get it. Um, but there's this huge opportunity for me to work with with this property. It's not even just a restaurant. So we, of course, we do all things hospitality, everyone. So please don't think we do restaurants only. We do hotels and travel and uh, cruise lines and you know every aspect of hospitality, food distribution and manufacturing. So we, we do all of that. So it's every aspect of of it, training and hiring and you know uh, you know location. Uh, we, we help you find storefronts. We help you build, you know, technology infrastructure. So the whole thing that you need in hospitality. So anyway, there's a property in Long Island we're we're looking at uh, to to work with, and the guy said, "Oh, I, I only need three staff." And I said, "Are you sure?" And after he explained it, I said, "Oh no." <laughs> but he said, "What you explained to me, you need like a whole overhaul. You need operational structure. You need." marketing campaign structure you need staff you need you know so it's interesting to listen to business owners with their perspective of what they think their business needs and then what their business actually yeah 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 so i want to this is so great there's so many different ways i could take this but i I think i want to go this way because of what you said um where you said it all comes down to solving problems and that's what you've tried to do you identify problems and then you try to solve the problems through your business so We've got a problem right now, and, and that's you know that's really where we started this conversation offline before we uh, you know we when we decided to do this interview, which is that um, there's a staffing crunch right now, and people think it's unique, and it's not unique. Uh, there's nothing new here. Um, this is the same thing that was happening through most of 2019 and the early part of 2020. And then the pandemic hit and we forgot all about it. And we just thought we're so eager as an industry to get back to work that we just thought everybody would be eager to come back to work. And that's not necessarily true for a bunch of reasons. Enter you. And so talk to me about uh, there are problems to be solved right now, right? Uh, Employers need employees and they can't find them. They can't get them. Talk to me about your perspective there. Where is this problem stemming from? And then talk to me about how you're beginning to solve that or or how owners, business owners, operators should be thinking about it uh, in order to solve it. What a great question. So two things that we're seeing in all industries, but of course, as we're talking about hospitality, the American citizen employee does not want to collect a paycheck anymore. It's it's not enough for them to be away from their home, away from their children, um, without a clear track of growth. People don't necessarily want to be a waiter or barista for the rest of their lives. People don't want to be a bartender for the rest of their lives. And some people do. And if they do choose to make this their career, be a career server, a career bartender, which by the way, people, for those who are listening and are not in the industry and who've never served, I, when I was a bartender, I made like fifty to seventy-five thousand dollars a year, and I was like twenty-seven with that income, twenty-five with that income. So, you're talking about an ability to buy a home, travels, you know, set up your future. Like it's nothing to sneeze at. The income is great, folks. So, if your daughter or son gets a job as a bartender or server, congratulate them and, and then ask them, do they need some additional skill set to get the money that I made just as a, just as a bartender? Anyway, um, employers have to think outside the box. They have to stop offering the same benefits, which is nothing. The hospitality industry is one of the industries that have not developed since it started in this country, and that was started in this country through enslavement. So the people who served in this country, the employees, were enslaved. So they're, they're the ones who were the bartenders, the servers, the chefs, the line cooks, the dishwashers. And then even as time went on, we still held those jobs as employees getting paid, but it was still crappy wages, no opportunity to become a business owner, no opportunity to become a manager, unless you, you know, maybe worked for a black establishment that would hire. But again, you only need one manager, right? So, and it wasn't like people were restaurant tours back then and owned like you know, 10 and 20 restaurants where you can develop tons of staff. I mean, he wasn't Madam C.J. Walker. No one was doing that on the food level, you know? Um, or maybe, maybe they were. Right. I should do that research. Anyway, 
we have to stop and offering people just jobs. Yeah, I got give you a job as a server, work you to death. You don't get any holidays off. You know, it's it's a it's a grimy industry. And so we have to do more for our staff. We have to do more for our people. And so one of the ways that Miss Mac Enterprises is helping businesses hire number one quality staff is our retention service. Our, our excuse me, our recruitment services. We we don't you don't hire Miss Mac Enterprise to hire staff for you if you're just looking for someone to like filter your resume. You can go through Indeed for that. And and I highly recommend that because I'm not cheap not cheap when it comes to recruiting and hiring your staff because we're full again we look at the whole business i need i don't hire staff i hire staff that's going to help you build your business so if you're telling me you know you're a restaurant owner you've had your business for 15 years and you have this amazing sauce and you're ready to put it on the market shelves then i need to make sure i hire staff that can support that vision for you uh, and yeah that means a server needs to know how to support the vision of selling that product and getting it on the shelves in a grocery store Right. So. So anyway, I think of it that way. I don't think of it as like, oh, let me get a server who has enough experience and, and it's going to upsell for you. I look at your whole business. Are you suffering because you have bad wine sales? Great. Let me get a server who knows how to sell wine. Who's got great wine experience. Not just just not just any server. We're very, very specific with our hiring. So when we recruit. Yes, we use tons of different tools. We use Indeed. We use Craigslist. We use, we, I have an account on um, culinary, culinary agents. Like I'm, I'm using all kinds of platforms, Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, not, not Snapchat, TikTok, all of these different, you know, LinkedIn. I am recruiting from workforce development agencies to find the type of staff that are looking to work for your type of business. We, we, we are also dealing with a generation of people that get it. They're like, I don't have to come out. I don't have to come out of my house. I can do some TikToks. Yeah. I can start a cooking show. No, no, I'm dead serious. <laughs> I'm proud of Generation yeah. Z and the younger millennials. They they really figured it out. I could be a gig worker. I know how to make yeah. a, a I know how to make a Shopify account. I'm gonna put up a gig worker link on Fiverr, and I'm gonna kill and make my money. I, I'm a bartender. I, I I can make my own bartending business. This is what people started doing in COVID. They started creating their own Agreed. income. Agreed. So this is, so I, I want to stop right here because this is so good. I mean, because uh, millennials and now Generation Z get such a bad rap uh, because they're not loyal, because they're not this, because they're not that. And my response always, always is, why would they be loyal? You have given them no reason to be loyal. And if they can work for themselves, they can build their own business. If they can do it um, a, a different way, why would they not try to do it a different way? And like you said, right, 50 or $75,000 a year is nothing to sneeze at. It's a really good living coming right out of school when you're young, all of that, right? But there's also a, a ceiling, right? Like, like you're never going to make $175,000 as a bartender, right? And for a lot of people, that's okay. But to your point, right, that there has to be growth, there has to be, you know, upward mobility, there has to be, I'm going to do this now, and that's going to lead to this, and that's going to then lead to this, that's going to lead to this. I can attest to myself with my, listen, I started my own business, much like you started your business, and I looked at it, and I said, okay, I've been in restaurants for a really long time, I just need a change, I can't keep doing this, partially because we were starting a family, and I didn't want to be away at nights, and all, for, for all these reasons, right, like your priorities change. And what I did is I looked at my um, at my income and I said, okay, this is what I make as a uh, as a server, as a captain, as a manager. That's actually not that much money. So can I compartmentalize it and figure out a way to just replace that income on a, on a weekly or monthly basis? And what are the skills that I have that are marketable that are that I can put out there? But your point is that why or, or to your point, why would I leave my house? and go do this to just go work a job when I can just do something for myself and build something. Uh, I'm not going to have, uh, I'm not going to have uh, insurance here if I work for myself, but a, a lot of times I'm not going to get insurance if I go work for the restaurant either. So, so when you look at what's really lost, and so I think the key here is that employers uh, in restaurants, in hospitality, let's say, because this is a restaurant podcast, have to give people compelling reasons as to why would I come work in this industry as opposed to another industry? Why would I work? Why should someone come work in this restaurant as opposed to starting a TikTok account or YouTube channel or building their own lemonade stand? Or working for a large corporation like Starbucks and Amazon who are offering stock options in college and yeah. college reimbursement and, you know, and 
there is a you know at, at uh, Starbucks there is a there is a growth yeah job. you know you can go from barista to manager very quickly and within two years and you get your you know and you get your benefits day one <laughs> and you're getting benefits medical dental I can go to Arizona State University online they'll pay for it 100 percent um, after you work there for a year they offer you stock options how is the small coffee shop gonna gonna compete against that. I agree. So, so yeah, answer I that question. For a so answer that. So answer that question. How do you begin to? We're not yeah. have all the answers, but here's how we here's how we fix that. Number one is um, we got to get into our employees. We got to get to know them. We got to find out what their passions are. And I and I encourage your, you managers, you small restaurant owners, you supervise shift supervisors, talk to your staff. Hey, so you know what are some of your interests? You know, oh, I, I love, you know, I'm an actor outside of here. You know, I, oh, what's your, what are your dreams or aspirations? Oh, I want to be like you one day. I want to own my own restaurant. Now you're talking about who they are outside of work. They're not just an employee. They, they're human beings. You know, oh, I, all I want to do is be able to set up my daughter so she's not struggling and have to do the same thing I had to do. Great. These are all things that we can help our employ, employees out with. So one one of the things that we do at Miss Mech Enterprises, we call it a social benefits package. We help curate a social benefits package that benefits the employees on a personal level, develops them on the outside world. So if they're looking for to create a legacy for their children, so we help them set up a trust fund or some type of, you know, I'm just using the word trust fund because that's the more, most common term, but there's ways to set up income you know money for your child when they turn 18 and you know life insurance when i worked for strive that was a benefit they offered us was life insurance isn't that incredible a lot of people especially you're seeing a lot in the in the black community and in poor communities people have to do crowd fundraising to bury their family that's sad um you know, offering um, additional education, computer classes. I, I remember I was working with Harlem Shake, love them very much. Great, great, great example of a business that does social impact, great community interaction, devotion to the community. Um, one of the things that we developed for Harlem Shake was a great social benefit package. The line cooks, of course, are Spanish speaking people and they wanted to learn English. So the owner was like, you got it. And she found the classes. She said, find the class. If there's a cost, I'll pay for it. And she did that. One, one person wanted to get computer skills. We found free computer classes for them. And so what we did is we created a guide. Here's a free tidbit for you guys. Go get your notepad. We created a, a, a whole catalog of free and low-cost training, resources, services. And then we hung it up in the back where employees could take their time and look through it and say, oh, I can take this accounting class and get a certificate. Great. I'm going to do that. Oh, I can go get my food handler certification here for 24 bucks. No problem. Awesome. Here's where I can get, oh, here's where I can get management classes at Rock. Oh, they're virtual. So I don't need to even be there. Like we, we found, and when I tell you the employees loved it. They showed up to work excited. They talked about the classes that they were taking. And so now you're seeing them develop as a professional. This is why Amazon and Starbucks got it. They understood that if they develop their staff with education, such as reimbursement or put, allowing them to go online and go to school online like they do with the Arizona State University partnership they have, they realize that if they educate their staff, that now they have an educated staff person that they can develop even more and so when you talk to the business owner and say well what's the benefit of me doing that well as they develop that means that you're going to be making more money because they they have they themselves have continued to develop themselves and they see the value in keeping you in business because you're helping them develop. right right so there are people that are going to be listening to this and they i hope that their eyes are going to be open to this and um it's things that maybe they hadn't thought of before right they're 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 thinking about the the staffing crunch in in, in only a linear fashion and, it, and it's multi-pronged it stretches out multiple directions and there's some people that are going to say adrian i love you uh, I really want to reach out and work with you we're going to put all those links in there and they're going to do that but for the other people who maybe don't have the resources 
to reach you, don't have the, the, the way to, to work with you, where would you point them? What are some of the resources? How can they get started with this to start doing development on their own? They say, this is really great. I can't work with Adrian, but I, I really want to do this and start implementing this. What are the first few steps they can do to start doing it? Number one, everyone. Everyone can work with Adrian. <laughs> Everyone, even if you're the $100 budget person, I got you. Whether you realize it or not, your website is the most powerful marketing tool at your disposal, right? It's where people go to learn who you are, where you're located, when you're open, and of course, to see the food you serve. So then why would you rely on PDF menus and static text to sell food. Our culture is visual and people these days want to see what they're getting, right? We eat with our eyes. Enter Pop Menu, a website design platform that puts the menu at the heart of everything. Pop Menu's dynamic menu technology serves high quality photos and allows guests to like and review dishes that they love that will then live on that dish's webpage on the site. These features all feed into your restaurant's SEO results to help you rank higher in relevant searches. What's more, Pop Menu's automated marketing tools keep guests engaged long after their purchase. You can send automated texts and emails to incentivize new orders and promote new dishes, events, and specials. Pop Menu keeps restaurants top of mind with guests. If you're a restaurant owner, you need a great website that not only looks beautiful, but helps drive more traffic and sales. Use Pop Menu to take your business to the next level. Best of all, listeners of this show can lock in one set monthly rate for life and get $100 off their first month. Go to popmenu.com slash restaurant strategy to claim this offer. Again, that's $100 off your first month by visiting popmenu.com slash restaurant strategy. As always, that link is in the show notes. I got you because I even have clients like that where they're like, I can only pay. I, I got you. We will definitely do. We'll see. We can still do some type of strategy work. Here's what you can do. Create partnerships with the community that you're in. Whether you're in a ritzy, wealthy community or a low income community, there are services and organizations that you can support, whether it's a women's organization, a youth organization, homeless, domestic violence, they heat food pantry, whatever. Start developing partnerships. And who should do that? Um, it, it should be the manager, the general manager. I, I like to say, if you're a small business owner and you're really hands-on, you do it. Go out there and meet the other CEOs in your community and say, oh, wow, they offer, you know, housing support. Oh, they offer English classes. They offer, it's there in your community. I always say, as we always have heard, and I always love to say, the answer's in the room. Well, the answer's in the community. So start developing those relationships. And number two, listen to your staff. Take, take you know, you should, number one, I hope you're doing some good, you know, I hope you're doing staff, you know, shift meetings as you should every, every shift, but get to know your staff. Uh, you know, put together a little survey on SurveyMonkey or use Google Forms. Very simple stuff. And, and ask, you know, what, what would make this job better? Um, how can I, you know, what are some interests you have outside of work that we could support? Do you need, and then give some examples. Don't be afraid because these are people who are scared to ask for money. They're scared because they've been told no so many times. What if they need a laptop? Help them buy a laptop. What is it that if you have a high performing team, you're hitting your sales goals, you're making money right? What is it to, to take an extra two or $300 out of the budget to get something for someone that has dedicated so much of their time, sacrifice their family. So that's start. So number one, develop relationships in the community, um, both nonprofit and for-profit and see how you can work together um, to um, talk to your staff, ask them, what are they interested in? And then see if you can help them find it. Uh, three, Hire from the community, train your staff. If you can't afford to hire Ms. Mac Enterprise to come in and do your training, we actually have a great national partnership with Rock United. We offer our virtual hospitality training for gratis. That's right, free. So if you live in New York, New Orleans, Philadelphia, Michigan, or Chicago, we got you. But guess what? 
What's also great, uh, and so that's for free. So you can actually have your staff sign up and, and choose one of the classes. We offer entry-level hospitality. This is great for someone who's your server, your bartender, your busser, your bar back, your line cook, your dishwasher, your salad prep food person. This, that's good. This is for anyone who's not a manager or not a supervisor. So I don't care if your server's been around for 15 years, they can still learn from this training because I found that I have taught students successfully through Rock virtually. And we've actually graduated uh, already close to 400 students during COVID people. So I'm letting you know people are looking for jobs and they're getting training and they want to work with you. So, and, and, we're, and we can help you get them placed. We can get them placed into working for you. So anyway, um, if you can't afford to take my trainings personally, you can definitely reach out to me. I'm happy to connect you to one of our Rock affiliates, which in which we provide the training for free because they get grant funding to to pay for it for you guys. So, um, and the other awesome thing is that by the time you're listening to this, Miss Mech Enterprise is launching um, the on-demand online training. So all the training that I provide Rock will now be online at your leisure. And it will be offered at a very affordable price. Um, we'll have prices for individuals who want to log in and just self-develop. And we'll also have uh, rates for businesses who want to have a subscription to the service. So as they hire new staff, they'll always have access to great, high-quality training. So that's what you can do. <laughs> right. So an employer would, um, would get an account here and say, this is one of the benefits one of the perks like hey you're going to come work for me you're going to make this much money i'm going to give you this kind of schedule you're going to get this and this is one of the added benefits you get access to this whole thing and this is part of your staff development part of your growth um you're going to learn you know be able to take these different classes and learn x y and z over the course of so many months absolutely help them help them build credit like if you have a bank obviously you have a banking relationship with your bank your bank will love you more if you told them hey come in one day and help my staff open bank accounts you know Sometimes people don't know. They don't know. They don't know. They only know what they, when you know better, you do better. <laughs> so this is, <laughs> it's so true. But here's the, so here's the thing. So when you know better, you do better. And this is, I want to, I want to talk about something else. And this goes right. Um, it's an easy pivot for us to do based on what you were just talking about. Because um, one of the things that you and I talked about when we, a couple of weeks ago, uh, when we were introduced and, and we started this conversation and started, you know, talking about what an episode might look like, what an interview, you know, how might we structure it? And I just thought we're not going to have any shortage of things to talk about. It's just, let's talk about the right things, the things that I think are going to be um, of particular interest. And we were talking a little bit about bias and we were talking about, um, you know, the, this, this, unacknowledged bias, this thing, and I'm certainly guilty of it. You said something to me, you were like, you know, there are certain people, you know, now we're, we're um, incorporating technology more and more into operations, which is great, right? We've got, um, you know, the table management software at the front of the restaurant is a computer, is an iPad, is a is whatever, right? They've, they've got to use a POS system. Uh, they've got to now use multiple terminals for third-party delivery. Oftentimes, your scheduling is, uh, it's through a scheduling app, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody can have access to uh, on their phone. And something you said to me um you said but that there's um you're assuming that everyone has a smartphone that everybody has a solid internet connection to be able to get onto an app to check their schedule and i just thought that was i, I mean it bowled me over because it is something i take for granted um that i've got a smartphone that i've got a computer that i've got a you know a, a solid internet connection mm -hmm. uh, or somewhere to go to get internet um and that there is a a part of the population that just doesn't have access to this um for for many uh, for for many uh, reasons so talk to me about that and in overcoming bias because i think it has to do with listening to your staff talking to your staff it has to do with sensitivity and at the bottom which is empathy and it goes back to what you just said right when you know better we do better so talk to me about bias and how we can um how we can better understand this fight this improve so that we can help people in the ways that they need to be helped and we can do serve ourselves better Absolutely. I mean, as you as we discussed a little bit earlier too, in the staffing, right? When we staff, we kind of don't see like all of the other issues that go on when we're hiring staff, especially in the hospitality industry. We're dealing with people that, again, um, usually have um, are are undereducated, underemployed, and underpaid, and so and, and underexperienced. Right? You're you got the eighteen year old 
working, um, worked for two years and then all of a sudden became a manager and now they're 20 years old. They, they, they lack so much. They can't be a manager at 20. You know, I'm not, I'm not hating on them, but there's so much. So when you are hiring people, sometimes the person you hire doesn't have a phone. I, you see that in job interviews where when you look at their resume, and of course I teach people not to do this, but again, some people do not have a laptop or computer and a printer. They, they'll go and get an old resume that they had from a year or two ago. Um, they'll scratch the phone number out on the top and rewrite another number because they, don't, they can't keep up with a cell phone. Paying a cell phone bill every month is daunting. They most likely have bad credit, so they can't necessarily get the best quality phone um, or, or afford to make the payments. I mean... I, I've seen I've seen eighteen year olds with phones more expansier and more expensive than mine, and I'm just like, how do they do it? And they don't. <laughs> if their mother and father's not paying the bill for them, you're, you're talking about easily. If you have a you know the latest iPhone or the latest Samsung, you're easily paying anywhere between a hundred to two hundred dollars a month just for the phone. That's not including the service. And you're eighteen, yeah, making fifteen dollars an hour. That's that's hard. And so when you're, when you're talking about that with many of the youth or even, you know, maybe even I want to say like 30 year olds that might be financially not ready as well, because we, again, we don't teach financial literacy in this country, you know, keeping up with a phone bill is hard. And so if they don't know how to pay their cell phone bill, they're not going to see their schedule. They're not going to be able to, you know, maybe take the online training that you paid for through their subscription and it's on their phone and they, it's not as easy as one thinks, you know? Um, and so we have to be mindful of that uh, when you're talking about delivery systems, right? The, the businesses that thrived during COVID were the ones who already had delivery infrastructure set up. Right. Point blank, period. Harlem Shake, awesome. They thrived. They thrived. But that's because they had a whole delivery system in place. And I'm not talking about just Uber Eats. I'm talking about name the app. They got it. And so they're on it. And when you're watching their expedite or their delivery person, she is swiping this and typing in that and, you know, entering in this. And I mean, it is, you have to know how to operate that, those pieces of technology, you know? And so if you're one that does not have a laptop, does not have a computer, um, your cell phone doesn't necessarily have all the capabilities of every other smartphone has. So you won't be able to see or download your schedule or, or communicate through team. And some people don't know what Slack is. They don't have Slack. They don't know what Slack is. You know, some of them don't even have bank accounts. So you can't even do direct deposit for them. Yeah. So, but this is, this is, there are things that, um, you know, again, this stems from the, the conversation we had just a couple of weeks ago. As you say it, of course, of course, I understand that. And yet at the same time, it was obvious that I just hadn't thought in those terms. And I've been in the industry for 20 years and um, I've been in, ma I was in management for many, many years, hiring people, giving people jobs, all of that. And there's, there's a bunch of this that even I hadn't considered. And that's really naive of me. And that's, you know, this idea of, and this is what we mean with implicit bias, this, this idea that, um, that there are things that I didn't even consider. And I'm sure I'm hoping there are people that are listening to this um, and, and have the same kind of, um, are going through the same kind of journey that I went through the first time you and I spoke where they go, Oh, you're right. I haven't thought about my employees maybe in a really, really deep way. And, and they're not going to tell you, they're not going to tell you that their phone is cut off because they're embarrassed. Yep. They're not going to tell you just like, they're not going to tell you the reason why they keep coming to work late for a whole week is because they don't have a sitter. So then how do we begin? I mean, this is a this is a big problem again. But how does an employer? How do we as employers um, begin to combat this? I mean, it begins by acknowledging that there's that that you've been um, passing assumptions. It begins by admitting that mm -hmm. there's a problem, right? But then, what's the next step to building those bridges into into creating uh, to fostering a different kind of environment? As hospitality leaders. And I say that because that's exactly who we are, whether you're a server, bartender, manager, supervisor. As hospitality leaders, we ask our staff, right? Now we're talking about management, to have empathy, to have empathy for our customers, right? Oh, have empathy that customers are cold, have empathy customers are upset that their food is late, have empathy that there's a child there and they don't want the hot food, all that empathy, right? 
But what empathy do we show our staff? Yeah. So talk to them. Number one, talk to your staff. How's it going? Hey, I noticed you haven't been responding in our in our group chats or whatever. Like, is everything okay with your phone? Is it good? Do you need help with your phone bill? Talk to your staff. Have some empathy. Be approachable. Be approachable. Have some open hours, open office hours where your staff, you're, where you're available to listen to your staff. Oh, I love that. I love you know, that. like because you know there, you know, there's times where you're you're knee deep in paperwork, knee deep in paying paying bills, knee deep in doing payroll, and then you're on the floor taking care of staff, taking care of customers. Yeah. When do the staff have a time to actually talk to you? Right. Right. Yeah. And so it's maybe maybe offer some some open hours, like, hey guys. Um, I'm signing, you know, here's a Calendly, again, there's a yeah. <laughs> or, or here's a, or here's, you know, the paper calendar by the schedule in the back, write in the time that you want to come in or a little suggestion box where they can put like, I want to meet with the boss because I don't want nobody else to know I'm meeting with the boss, yeah. you know, whatever that is, but, but make, be approachable and listen. Have empathy. Just because you're balling out of control and you live, a, you know, got a nice house in Jersey and your kids go to a private school and you get to go on vacation. Okay, but what about the staff member who rides his bike to work every day to save money, and you know his three kids go to a regular public school, and his wife works two jobs, cleaning and making tamales. Like, what about them? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, what's really interesting is that, you know, all kidding aside, is that a lot of operators, certainly the ones listening to this show, the, the ones that I've had the great fortune of connecting with uh, over the last couple of years of hosting this show, um, they're, they're, strugg they're struggling in, in, in other ways. And they're, they're working really hard. And I think, um, I think a little bit of this goes a long way, that the, that the struggles you have are different than the struggles your staff are having. And no, no more or less, but I think there's a, there can be this common understanding of kind of, we're all struggling together. We're all kind of doing our own, you know, our own dance, but, but to show some empathy that, that, that they've got stuff that you're just not aware of that might end up being a lot, a lot bigger. So even if you don't have the big, you know, 12 bedroom mansion and your kids in private school and all that, um, you know, there, there's, there, there, I don't know, there, there's things on, on both sides. Um, there are a couple of questions I want to ask you to go from here. So where do we go from here as, as an industry? Because a lot of people, right. I, I'm, I'm of the thought that, um, I'll back up and say, um, Gabrielle Hamilton, uh, was the chef owner of prune here in, uh, in New York city, down in the village. And she wrote, a at this point, a very infamous uh, op-ed piece in the New York times about how, uh, the industry is broken and the pandemic is, is going to be a good opportunity um, to fix it, to let the things just crumble and die that need to die. And hopefully we can fix the rest of it. And uh, she did a clubhouse room, actually, with all people with Ben Leventhal, who's the uh, creator of uh, Eater and Resi, the, the reservation system, uh, and Will Godara. Will Godara was the owner of 11 Madison Park for many years. Uh, and they talked to her and they said, you know, how do you think? And she was really cynical and really dismissive. And she said, you know what? We missed our chance. We were given a chance to fix so many things that were broken and we didn't. And we sit here and we look around and we wonder why we're coming back and it, and it's not working. It's like, it doesn't fix itself. We have to actively fix it. And she was talking about how, um, about how disappointed she was uh, as an industry that we hadn't taken the steps to correct some of these things. And she was talking about, um, you know, the, the inequality between employee and employer, the inequality between uh, the sexes, inequality uh, racially, inequality with back of the house, front of the house, the immigration, the, all of that, the, the institution of, of tipping and, and how, mm -hmm. you know, have this tipping, is, yes. yeah, I mean, uh, you know, again, it's a holdover from, and also like a lot of the scamming and criminal, criminalization that the employers do like i worked for an employer and i'm not going to you know put say the name you guys read the papers it was it was out there that the chef was sued by staff i was one of those staff in the class action suit because we were tipping out management and they know they're not supposed to make us do that but they didn't care we have to stop doing like we have to stop being grimy to the people who help us become millionaires you know, who help us put our kids through private school, who help us go and take our ski trips and our summer vacation and all the things that you get to do as a restaurant to have the freedom to say, I'm not coming into the restaurant today. I'm going to stay home. And they didn't miss the opportunity. I, I think, um, 
I think I beg to differ with her. I love what she said. Yes, let it crumble and die. And that's exactly what I was actually just down. I, I have a new client in Lower East Side. I can't wait. So obviously you guys will know by now I'm working with Mikey Likes at Ice Cream um, down the Lower East Side and also has a store here in Harlem and on the West Side. So I was downtown and I actually decided to walk from Alphabet City to Times Square because I wanted <laughs> to see what the restaurant industry looked like down there. Because again, I live in Harlem right. and I've Harlem, I, no, I don't believe any restaurants closed. I believe some took their time reopening, like, you know, restructuring and opening, but Harlem's hospitality was definitely thriving. People were, you know, selling and all you saw was delivery bikes all over Harlem. So, um, so when I went, when I was downtown to see so many restaurants closed, so many storefronts empty, it was depressing a little bit, but so here, here's how we do better. First of all, landlords stop charging an arm and a leg figure out another way to get rich, you know, help small businesses thrive by charging a fair rent. Number two, uh, the city, which I'm really excited about, uh, said that they're going to stop with all these frivolous charges that, um, that restaurant, restaurant owners have to deal with. Um, you know, all of what the city was doing with all of, you know, I'm glad that they've, they've, re they've rethought about that. Let, let's make money off of people a different way. Let's not penalize small businesses who are providing job opportunities and what makes New York special, the experience, right? Um, the other thing that we need to fix is, yes, develop your staff. Develop them. Put them in a training. A lot of these people have gone to Cornell and, and went to school under Barbara Lang. They know what, you know who I'm talking about. You know what? You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you, Cornell offers an online training. I offer very affordable training. Rock. There's so many resources out there. And I hate, and I don't want to piss anybody off, but some of you guys have made so much money and have schmoozed so much in the Hamptons. You kind of, you kind of forgot. Yeah. You kind of forgot what it was to be that greasy, you know, that greasy restaurant dude. You kind of forgot. Right. <laughs> some of you, some of you. And I love you guys. I go to the Hamptons and chill and, 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 you know, and, and join my Wolf of Rosé. I'm with you. I'm with all of you. But how are we going to bring 11, 11, 11 Madison Park back and the staff hasn't been developed? We're supposed to just give them a paycheck and bad tips again? Come on, yeah. guys. We can't keep doing that. Yeah. Hire me. I'm affordable enough that we can create a social benefits package Let's develop your team so they know that there's a track to success. Stop thinking that Pedro can only be a busser. Pedro can be a bartender and a server. Don't forget, you get customers from all over the world. You get customers who speak French. You get customers who speak Spanish. You get customers who speak Portuguese. Develop that staff. Develop the Spanish, the, the, develop the Senegalese dishwasher who speaks eloquent French. Develop them. Send them to an English class. Find out what these people want outside of work and help them. There's a quote that I love. It's one of my favorites, um, and I quote it all the time. But Zig Ziglar, who is an old sales guru, and the I love Zig Ziglar. Are you crazy? I read his books all the It's time. great, and he has this. His most famous quote says, "You can get anything in life you want as long as you help enough other people get what they want." Hallelujah. I have never heard anything truer than that. I think it is like a mantra for operators, for business owners. I think it's an opera, you know, it's, it's, and, and it's certainly a mantra that we can, uh, we can utilize here in this, in this instance. But I think it begins to your point by figuring out what do your people want? What do your people want so that you can help them get what they want? Because if you help them get what they want, they're going to be loyal to you. Because if you, if there's no reason for them to go anywhere else, they're not going to go anywhere else, right? That, that's the old thing, right? Like, like servers, like what do servers want? They want to make money. They want benefits. They want whatever it is. They want right? to have a quality of life. Servers, listen, let me tell you something. When you work in fine dining, as I did, I worked for Terrence Brennan. I worked for um, Todd English. Great, great restaurateurs. I actually loved talk. I had the pleasure of actually talking to Jeffrey Chattero. He was so approachable. He was so approachable. I would love to work with China Grill Management. It's a great international, you know, restaurant tour firm that employs hundreds of people that we could develop around the world. How, what if I knew as a server, I could go work for you in your London restaurant? Yeah. Why can't I be offered that opportunity? Why can't someone from London be offered the opportunity to come and work in the U.S.? Yep. 
have a work visa. You guys can do, you guys have the power to do this. You guys own 12 restaurants. And yet as a server, I don't have an opportunity. I don't know what I need to do to become a manager or supervisor in one of those 12 restaurants. Yep. I love what Lisa, I'm going to be very funny, but this is, you know, obviously people are like, oh, that's reality TV. But I mean, it happened in real life. Lisa Vanderpump, right? Restaurateur helped her two bartenders open their own spot. But now let's bring it back to reality right here in Harlem. The, 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 um, the owner of Lido's Italian restaurant in Harlem, she partnered with her bartender and opened Bixie two doors down. That's what I'm talking about. She, what do you want to do? I want to open my own place. Great. He saved the money, got good credit, got the, got the, got it. And let's get it. And they opened the restaurant together. This is what I'm talking about, folks. Danny Myers, before you open another restaurant, what's up? Talk, talk to, I bet you, if you talk to the lady who makes your pies, I'm just making something up, Danny Myers. <laughs> Ask her, does she want to have her own pie company and then help her start the pie company? Yeah. Why aren't we doing, why aren't we collaborating with the people that, you know, if, listen, I, I don't want to be a chef for you anymore. Okay, great. I know a guy who needs a private chef. You want to start your own private chefing company? Great. I'll help you. Yep. Cause you have lots of rich friends that can hire this kid. Listen, we have the resources. We have the connections. We have the experience. We have the education. We have the knowledge. Stop hoarding it and share it. That's the only way this country, the United States is going to survive is if we start working from the bottom up, we got to cultivate the foundation. I love it. I love it. I, I love that this, listen, uh, you're, you're heading, you're heading the charge and you're calling for people to, to rethink how they staff and how they engage with their staff and how they develop that staff. Um, and, and I, and I love the challenge. Um, what I really appreciate is the mindset shift that, that I've gone through. And I, and I hope the listeners have gone through that as well. And that they, and the people, stop and take a step back. I know this has changed my perspective on, on staffing um, already just in the, in the few weeks uh, since, uh, since being introduced to, to Adrian. Um, so I me personally, I'm grateful um, to have been connected with Adrian. And this is the best part about my job is that I get to have really interesting conversations with very intelligent, thoughtful people. Um, today has been no different. Um, Adrian, um, before I let you go, um, I, I want to wrap up a little bit here, and, and I want to ask you, um, number one, uh, where can people go to learn uh, more about you and what you're doing and everything you've got going on? Absolutely. You can visit my website, www, as we already know, Miss, M-I-S-S, Mac, M-A-C-K, Enterprises, E-N-T-E-R-P-R-I-S-E-S. MissMacEnterprises.com. You can see um, all the stuff there. You can call me. I'm going to give you my cell phone number. That's right. I'm putting out my number 646 553 0195. I hope I get tons of calls. If you have questions, guys, <laughs> if, if, you, if you completely disagree with me, call me. Let's talk. Help, help me understand because maybe you, you have a different perspective. Um, you can also follow me on Instagram and LinkedIn. So LinkedIn is A-D-R-I-A-N-E. That's how you spell my name, Adrian, A-D-R-I-A-N-E. Yo, Adrian! And my last name is Mac, M-A-C-K. I'm a real Mac. <laughs> That's right. Not a McDonald or a Mac this. I'm Mac. I'm a real Mac. So Adrian Mac on, on LinkedIn and, of course, on Instagram, Miss Mac Enterprises. And you can also find me on Twitter at adrian underscore mac and let's connect guys email me adrian at miss mac enterprises of course you can get it through my through my website as well through my instagram twitter i'm, I'm available all all shapes inside i'm coming through call me folks let's talk and i'd love to help your your team and help your business make more money by developing your team amazing and of course we're going to put all of those links in the show notes it's going to be very easy to reach out um any final words of wisdom before uh, before we sign off? Yes. My final words of wisdom is, you guys, we're going to bounce back. You know, New York is coming alive. And hospitality is going nowhere. We are a greedy nation, and we love to go out to eat. We love to have a good time. And so stay positive. I'm, I'm rooting for you. I'm going out to eat. I'm ordering delivery, and I'm tipping well. 
you guys tip your grow your staff give me a call and work with youth entrepreneur uh, youth uh, internship programs those are also great ways to develop the next hospitality leader for free because those kids get paid by the organization you don't have to pay them but they work for you for at least 20 hours a week so that's another thing to <laughs> Amazing. All right, guys. Thank you Amazing. so much. No, Adrian, thank you. I so appreciate you giving us the time here today. Um, again, you've given me tons to think about, and I think that's probably true for, for many of the listeners. Um, thank you for the work you do. Thank you for sharing your insights and um, and, and, all, and perspective with us today. I so appreciate it. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you so much, and you too, Chip. It was an honor to be here and share and listen to you as well. Once again, I want to thank Adrian for her time for us, for sitting here and chatting with me on today's episode. I hope you got a lot of value from this. As always, all of the links are in the show notes. I want to remind you as well that I've written an ebook. It's uh, it's ten tips for driving revenue. Right, the goal is you know how do you increase revenue by ten percent overnight? There are a lot of tactical things you can do. I wrote an ebook, ten tips. It's about twelve pages long. It will take you twenty minutes to read uh, and, and a couple of days to implement a lot of this stuff. And I promise you, this stuff will make a difference immediately go to restaurantstrategypodcast.com slash revenue uh, and go ahead and get your own copy it's absolutely free that link is in the show notes as well i want to thank you for tuning in again today uh, stay creative and i will see you next time Restaurant Strategy is made possible by the generous support of our sponsors as well as our Patreon supporters. A special shout out to all of our Gold and Platinum members, Ty Hames, Bob and Kate Carpenter, Scott Middleton, Chuck and Denise Close, Stephen and Ann Fagan, Mario D'Amatos, and Christopher Tana. If you want to become a supporter, please go visit patreon.com slash restaurant strategy. Again, the link is in the show notes.